If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites according to a recent Indeed survey. With Indeed, everything hiring is all in one place and it makes it so easy. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences each day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. The more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join the more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. Just go to Indeed.com slash podcast right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Indeed.com slash podcast. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Ah, motherhood. One minute, your mom of the year. I love you, mommy. Then the next? <laughs> mm, not so much. From bath time to bullying, from potty training to puberty, parenting is full of challenges. But one thing is for certain, you are not alone. Welcome to Modern Mom Probs. I'm your host, author, mother, parenting expert, Tara Clark. Join me while we tackle today's modern mom problems. Welcome back to another episode of Modern Mom Probs. I'm your host, Tara Clark. Here on Modern Mom Probs, we try to find solutions for modern mom problems, but if we can't do that, at least we have fun talking about them. Today, we're actually talking about something a little bit more serious. We're talking about support for parents of preemies. And I am joined by my friend, Jody Claristenfeld. She is the founder of Flourish. She is the mom to an adorable little girl who was born at 28 weeks due to a rare and life-threatening form of preeclampsia and HELP syndrome. After her daughter's early birth, Jody quickly discovered preemie moms and dads aren't always getting the support that they need. And as a result, she created Flourish, a platform that offers NICU parent education, empowerment, support, and resources to help families navigate this beautiful and challenging journey. Jody, welcome to the show. Thanks, Tara, for having me. I look forward to shedding some light on preemie parent support. I'm so happy that we're going to be doing this because you and I, we were chatting before this. We've known each other for a while in as much as that we met at a different event. We'll shout out to, to Pamela Peckerman because she had a Hustle Like a Mom event. We had met there. And then we were brought together again by Nikki Cumberbatch, who is a, a podcast host for the Motherhood Village. So shout out to Nikki there too. And, I, and I'm so glad that we're that we got reconnected to be able to have this conversation. And, and you are an advocate for NICU parents. And I want you to share with us a little bit about yourself. Tell us your story and how did you get involved in this crusade? Well, put simply, I got involved in preemie parent and NICU parent support by virtue of my daughter's birth. Parenting and becoming a parent for anyone is transformative. But when you have a birth that is somewhat unorthodox and traumatic and different than most other people, and you don't find yourself fitting in some proverbial box as to what your parenthood journey is like, you kind of feel isolated and alone and like you don't have anyone to turn to to talk to. These 
were the exact feelings I had that my husband had and other NICU families we met on our journey. And through that, I realized, well, we can't be the only ones feeling this way. There has to be other parents out there. Now, over 360,000 babies per year are born premature, which is anything 37 weeks and prior. And that's a lot of children in this country. So that's a lot of parents that also need support. The hospitals, the doctors, the nurses are amazing and they care for the babies and they help them thrive and grow. But the parents also too need their own support in how to navigate this difficult journey. I am floored by the number of preemies that are born each year. I had no idea it was as high as that. And then you're right, like that also means that there are that many parents that need support to have these conversations. I'm so glad we're talking about this this today. Yes, so- that equals about 10.4% of the babies born in this country. And that in that are babies that stay for one day or the ones that stay for over 100 days. But the average is somewhere around 15 and a half days for a NICU stay. Wow. If you feel comfortable, would you share your daughter's birth story with us? Yes, completely. I tell people I had the easiest 28 weeks of pregnancy and the most difficult four days after. I hadn't really gained any weight. I didn't really have any morning sickness, nothing like that. And then one morning I woke up and I started really not to feel well. I had a bloody nose, but it was winter. And I thought, okay, well, sometimes from the heat, you get dryness. I also knew once you hit your fourth trimester, your body is really expanding. So your blood, you know, your blood vessels, I thought were expanding. So that caused that. But that was a red flag that I did not even know. I noticed that I also started to put on weight. And again, having only gained six and a half pounds up to that point prior, I thought to myself, well, well, I hit the 28-week mark. It must be catching up with me. Then we went for a 28-week sonogram. And that was a special 3D one. So we didn't go to our typical OB's office. We went to a separate office. And interestingly enough, the doctor there said that My daughter was kind of small. He wanted us to come back in two weeks and he was going to tell my OB. No problem. When I left there, again, started to feel dizzy and not well and noticed that, not to get graphic, but I, my pee started to turn color and, but more so than when you're dehydrated, because sometimes when you're dehydrated, But again, I did nothing. My husband went off to Europe to go to work because not thinking anything was super duper wrong. Fortunately, my mom came into town the next day on Tuesday. We were going to see To Kill a Mockingbird. I was so excited because I love, love, love the book and the movie. And my mom took one look at me and she's like, we are not going to the show. And I said, I know. 
I'm not feeling well. And I just rested most of Tuesday. Wednesday morning, I woke up, I started to see double. And I said to my mom, I don't know what's going on. And she's like, we're going to the doctor. So I went to the doctor at 1230 because he was busy teaching and doing rounds in the morning. I walked into the hospital at one o'clock. My daughter was born at 316 and I met her two and a half days later. Wow. Wow. Was she a C-section? She was an emergency C-section. They didn't know if I'd have to have actually a hysterectomy or what. Fortunately, my blood was able to clot. So HELP syndrome, your organs start to shut down. So the color in the urine was like protein that my body and my liver wasn't breaking down. And my kidneys were starting to go and they were trying to give me platelets as they were taking out my daughter. So, you know, my doctor didn't know what was going to happen. And I actually only learned this last week, believe it or not, and my daughter is now four, that my OB came out to my mom and said, Linda, I've been trying to hold on to them both as long as I can. If I don't take them in the next 10 minutes, I don't take the baby. We're going to lose them both. I got chills, Jody. I literally have chills. I me too. And I just learned this literally last week. And then his next question to my mom was, "Okay, Linda, if I have to choose." And my mom was sitting there alone. My dad was in Florida. David was in Paris, and. My brother was on his way from his office to the hospital. But fortunately, I'll say through someone watching over us, my wonderful OB and all the doctors and nurses were okay. But, you know, it was, it was scary. And when afterwards, right after her birth, I don't remember much. I was hallucinating from a lot of the medicine they gave me to help with my blood pressure, it was near stroke levels. It was like 190 over 160. Wow. So that's why I didn't meet her for the first, you know, two and a half days. That is incredible. Yeah. When I finally walked, took my first steps, it was one of those scenarios that every single person on the labor and delivery floor knew who I was and was looking at me, but I couldn't figure out why. I didn't know that I was that case, right? That person. Yep. You took the words out of my mouth because I was just about to say you were that case, that case that they were all reading about and that the residents were probably studying and and the nurses were extra vigilant watching over you. That is phenomenal. And thank goodness both of you are okay. Yes, yes. It took a while for me to even fully understand what happened to myself, to my daughter. And, you know, fortunately, I had a great support system in that my OB was like, do not worry that you're not going to be a good mom. Because I said to him, it must have been three days or four days after she was born. I said, I don't know if I've asked for her. I don't really know what's going on. I don't feel maternal. 
I have postpartum depression, surely there's something wrong with me. I'm not a good mom. And he was like, hold the phone. That is not it at all. You're a great mom. The fact that you're concerned about this while you have just been to war, so to speak, with your own body, tells me that you're a great mom. You have no idea of the half of what the both of you have been through. And that was pivotal for me because I feel like as moms, we're taught that the minute you have your child, a light switch goes on. You've met the most beautiful human being in the world. Your whole reason for living has changed and that you're supposed to all of a sudden have this motherly intuition and instinct as soon as the baby comes out. And I didn't have that. And your body was doing everything in its power, though, to heal itself so that you could get strong enough to be able to hold her and do skin on skin and all of the things that I know that you wanted to do. Yes. And to even be able to produce milk, I couldn't even understand how I could pump milk when she was still supposed to be inside of me. But the body has this wonderful way of knowing and understanding and allowing moms, if their milk comes in and they can pump, and that's something that they want to do, that they can. So, you know, I I was like thrown into a situation that I didn't even fully understand. I had no idea what happened to my body, let alone what I was going to see when I first met my daughter. And that scared me as well. Well, that's a whole second part of the conversation is when you do have the baby and you enter the NICU and you see them connected to all of the lines and sometimes they're under lights. And and let's talk about that a little bit too. Can you share that story? I think no matter what, even if you are high risk or you're having twins and you know that your child is going to be in the NICU, or even if your baby's full term and for some reason has to go into the NICU, nothing can fully prepare you for walking in there and seeing your child hooked up to machines with lines and tubes in their nose or in their belly or pit Their little lines. feet, their little baby feet. Yep. You know, for the longest time, my daughter wouldn't let anyone touch her feet. And I think it's because she was always getting poked and prodded. There was like a sensitivity there. So I don't think you're prepared to see your child all out in the open for others to see also, because you're not in a private room with all these machines hooked up to them. You expect, oh, they're going to put the baby on your chest after the baby cries, you're going to cry and it's going to be wonderful. I was so nervous. I was afraid. Could I touch her? Could I hold her? I mean, think about this too. You have to ask permission to pick up your child or you have to have someone help you pick up your child because of all the equipment that is surrounding them. And and so it's, it's very shocking and it's, it is, it's traumatizing. I, I can't really think of a better word or a different word other than, than that. And I do only remember briefly meeting her for the first time. And 
my husband had told them what we had named her. And so her name was on her isolate. And my husband goes, does she look like a Jenna? And I'm like, of course she does. And then I just started crying and I don't remember much else, but I didn't hold her right then and there. I, did, I waited until the next day because I was still shaky myself and I wasn't confident enough, even though the doctors were confident in me, I, I wasn't confident in myself. Yeah. You probably didn't feel strong enough at that point. Yes. Yes. And I also hadn't, not that I was thinking of it then, like I hadn't eaten. I didn't eat probably for about four or five days because they had to regulate all my blood levels. And finally I was like, I want something other than ice chips. (laughs) (laughs) I know that they always have like graham crackers and and apple juice. I feel like I had a lot of graham crackers and apple juice. (laughs) I couldn't have apple juice. Something with the sugar and them trying to, to regulate so I could only have water. And I was just like, I need something else. (laughs) This episode is brought to you by Modern Mom Style Box. Upgrade your wardrobe and enjoy unlimited styles for just $60 a month. Modern Mom Style Box is the first rental clothing subscription designed exclusively for moms and moms-to-be. Get started today with a free trial. Use promo code PTO. Thank you for, for sharing that story because I, I'm, one, on the edge of tears just thinking about the experience that you lived through. Two, it brought me back to when my son was born and being in, in the NICU and that experience too. And, and three, it's wild that this is a phenomenon or an experience that so many parents are going through. First of all, I, don't, I, I think that no matter where you are in your life, Tara, when someone says something about a NICU, I believe your mind will always take you back there. It's just an experience like no other. And when someone says it, it will take you back there. One of my husband's friends, their daughter was in the NICU and she was getting married a few months after Jenna was born. And they came, her, her and her husband came to visit us and she was hysterical. And at that point, her daughter was 26 years old and was, like I said, was getting married, but it just brought her back all those emotions. So I think it's something that just stays with you, but you learn how to grow and deal with it and and move forward and process those emotions. So I think, I think that, I think the fact that so many people are affected by this is shocking because there isn't enough support out there for the parents that are going through this difficult time. My husband and I were lucky that we could take the time for the three months our daughter was in the NICU and be there every day. Not everyone can do that. They have to choose when they want to have maternity leave or paternity leave and figure all that out. So we were very fortunate for that. On top of the fact, too, the stress of we also lived near where our daughter was born so we could readily get to the hospital 
a lot of times if it's an emergency and someone's maybe traveling, they're not even near their hometown. So they don't have that support. And also, I think the thing too is that you have to feel like you're in a good place to want to talk to somebody about it. And the people at generally at the hospital have not had a preemie baby of their own. So if a social worker or if a doctor or a nurse has had that experience, they can bring to the table a certain type of empathy that others cannot provide. It's something that you can sympathize with and think that, but until it's your child, you see them there fighting for their every breath when they're just born and the world is theirs. They shouldn't have these issues when they're first born. That it takes someone who's been through it themselves to offer that glimmer of hope and that support that I think is so necessary for parents. Mm-hmm. I'm so glad that you're the person that's doing it. Thanks. You know, I, I think for me, it really took shape once I started to see my daughter progress and flourish. I'll say no pun intended, but pun intended. I always used to talk about her flourishing, so hence the name flourish. But watching her work so hard and progressing in skills that I had no idea to be even looking out for. And also, while I was trying to navigate the system in terms of early intervention or how education and getting her the necessary help and support and being confident in myself as her mother to advocate for her, that I realized that I wanted to be able to help others on their journey. I just had to be a little further out from the process in order to be okay to share and be so open about my story. Yeah, I I think that often takes, I mean, at least for me personally, it often takes like years to be able to be okay with your own experience before then you could help other people by sharing your experience, but then also helping other people through theirs. Yes, certainly. That's why I really didn't start this until about a year ago. Again, needing that time and space for myself and my own head That's not to say I still don't have my own struggles and my own problems, you know, as my daughter grows as well. And it's it's interesting to me. I was talking to a mom yesterday about her NICU story, and her daughter is now almost six. And I could see the pain still in her face about how she still needs support and lacks support. And I sometimes feel the same way. You know, parents get thrown into this, the group of being parents, but it's parenting plus, or I'll say parenting on steroids. I personally felt like I was in fight or flight mode for the first two and a half years of my daughter's life. 
constantly trying to figure out, is she making the milestones, not making the milestones? Am I adjusting her age, not adjusting her age? So many things that people were telling me and trying to then reconcile that in my own head and trying not to project that onto her. Yeah, that that's, that's really, <sighs> it's heavy. It's heavy. Cause like, like you said, it, it brings you right back to where you were. I mean, in our case, it was 10 years ago for, you know, for, for my son's NICU story. But, it, but like you said, all of this, it, you know, whether it's 26 years ago or 10 years ago or four years ago, it sort of brings you right back to where you were when you're walking into that room, wearing your hospital gown, holding on to your IV as you shuffle step towards the, the basket that they're, that they're in. I don't know if you'd call it a basket per se, but I want a pod. It's sort of like a pod. That yeah. The pod that isolate. In. Well, the enclosed, yes. they call it an isolate and then just a regular bassinet. I, I remember I cried when she moved to a regular bassinet or because that's a I big fi- step. Yes. Or when she went from like a micro preemie diaper to a preemie diaper, all these little steps, which are so important to be celebrated that I don't know had my daughter not been born this way, if I would have cherished everything or would have really enjoyed my mother, her journey, which is really opposite of what I was saying, how I felt and still sometimes feel. And I think that's the journey of being a NICU mom is you can be elated yet in the next moment be sad. And that's life generally. But I tell people it's a beautiful experience too, because you get to bond with your child in a way you never would have. And I like to think for dads, it's bonus bonding because they can do skin to skin and that's something they would never do. They would never feel the baby obviously inside the mom and they would never be able to hold the child in, in that way. So I like to think that it's a bonus for dads that during that time, the one more prevalent issue with dads, which is very interesting, is that a lot of them tend to have PTSD after the NICU stay. Now, over 80% of parents in the NICU have some type of mental health issue within the first five years of after their child has been in the NICU. It doesn't matter, again, one day, 100 days, over 80%, which is also astounding in and of itself. And again, more shocking that there's not enough support or insurance paid support or things like that for parents that are in this situation. But the dads hold on, carry a lot of the weight because, right, the mom is also healing from generally a C-section, being a mom and feeling that somehow guilty and that your body betrayed you, all of those feelings. And so a lot of the times the dads don't want to pile on top of the moms and tell them what they're going through as well. So they kind of keep it inside until, you know, they can either talk to someone or learn how to deal with it. But yes, a lot of the dads, it's interestingly enough, experience PTSD. 
Yeah, 80%. That that number is is phenomenal. I know I keep getting hung up on the statistics today, but that is it's an incredible stat. It's an incredible proportion of of people who suffer from mental health issues after that. Going back to the dads, you know, when when my son was in the NICU after he was born, I had had a scheduled C-section because he was breech. But when he was born, he, he was healthy. He was full term. So thank goodness for that. But when the nurses in the nursery had left him out too long and his blood sugar dropped, so we got his temperature dropped, so we got hypoglycemic. So then they immediately put him in the NICU. And I remember, you know, my my mom and my in-laws were in my room and where everyone's like, congratulations, we're so excited about the baby, this and that. The doctor walks in and she's like, I have some news for you. And instantly everyone's face just turned white. And she's like, yeah, the, the baby got cold and his blood sugar dropped. And so now he's in the NICU. So then immediately our family took that as like the sign to leave. So they just like packed it in and they just left. And so that just like left my husband and I wondering like, what just happened? Like, what is going on here? We went from having like a perfectly healthy, you know, seven pound baby to now you emergently rushed him to the NICU and now we can't see him. And so my husband was the one that was going to the NICU at first because I was still recovering from the C-section. And similar to what you said was that like you, you physically weren't strong enough to be able to get out of bed and walk down there to, to see the baby. Whereas the husband's, my husband, you know, was able to get down there and, and spend sort of more one-on-one time with Jack, you know, when he could. Until then, I was able to. But he even warned me. I remember him saying like, I just want to prepare you for what the NICU looks like and so that you can understand what you're going to be coming into. It's hard to see the baby hooked up to machines. It's hard to see the the lines and the little pinpricks in his, in his baby, tiny little baby toes and the, his heels. It wasn't his toes. It was in his heels. And, and so the dads are often the ones that field that information first. You know, they see it often before the, the moms even do. And so I am not surprised that you're saying that they often go through the PTSD because I know my husband had a really hard time with that initially because going back to what you said earlier, it's not meeting your expectations. You know, in your mind, you're thinking your birth is going to be one way. And even if I knew I was going to have a C-section because he was breech, I didn't think he would, I thought he was going to stay in the room with us, right? Like I just thought it would was going to be a pretty typical birth, but that obviously is not always the case. And just to round out the end of that story, he was in the NICU for three days. He was born on a Tuesday. We were discharged on a Friday. So it wasn't terribly long, thank goodness. Like I said, his blood sugar went back to to normal and he was okay. And they cleaned out anything else, you know, internally that they needed to clean out. So all's well that ends well with that, I guess, for the most part. Sometimes my husband and I still wonder if any of his challenges now, I'm saying my son's challenges now, relate to his time then. But just one of those things that you'll just never know. You simply don't know. And you sort of just chalk that up to to parenting as it is. But I also remember feeling a little guilty in the NICU because my son was full term and he was otherwise healthy except for that incident in the nursery. And so there's a certain level of that as well, of, of, of mom guilt before, as soon as you become a mom. <laughs> oh, yeah. So, And I don't think that ever leaves, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Even Probably even before, once you find out you're pregnant, 
because you're watching every single thing that goes into your body, every type of lotion or hair product or, or, or anything. But yes, I've, and I've spoken to moms too, that have had full term babies that are in the NICU and I can understand the point of view. And I can't say that I didn't look at some of those other families differently when at first being in the NICU, I think, again, it's more like, oh, I wish my baby was a full-term baby. I, I wish I could have kept him or her inside. I think it's more of that than anything else because everyone's story is different and you just don't know. I remember when I would, when I would walk into the NICU, they had different levels of rooms we called it preschool, middle school, and high school. Just my husband and I just, right? So when, as she would get better and grow, you know, she'd move along until she graduated to the peds floor. But I remember just not even wanting to really look at anyone else's isolate, any, anything, just keeping my head down and going to my daughter because you don't know anyone else's situation. And I think that's important to note whether your child is full term or a preterm. And it's just as difficult for any parent regardless, because again, you don't expect your child to be there or you don't expect, you don't go into being, being pregnant saying, I want to have a NICU baby. I don't imagine that anyone that anyone says that. No, and it's sort of taboo in as much as like, I, I feel like people aren't talking about it enough, which is why A, you're here today, and B, that's what you do with Flourish. Like you're there to shed light on the experience of NICU parents. Yes, I think it's one of those things that kind of like until it happens to you, then you don't know that, oh, my friend's friend had someone that was born. It's, it's one of those things kind of almost similar, but different to IVF, I'll say, or freezing your eggs. Years ago, no one ever really talked about it. Even amongst my friends, we all did it, but we didn't really share much. Now everyone talks about it all the time. So kind of similar, but different that when your child is in the NICU and, oh, I didn't know oh, I didn't know this person. And I think, again, it's important to be there for those parents that are going through such a difficult time because their milestones for their child will be different. Everyone's different. Everyone's growth trajectory is different. But comparing constantly the compare, well, what's your child doing? What's, you know, and it just brings it back to that mom guilt scenario. My body betrayed me. What did I do that caused this? And the truth of the matter is more often than not, you did nothing and you'll never know to your point, right? About Jack and having some issues and all kids have issues. I always say to people who wouldn't love a little extra love and support for their child. And I choose to look at Jenna's journey that way, that 
we're lucky that we live in a place where we can get those services for her and that she has them because I will do anything that I can. And so will my husband to set her up for success and whatever that means to her in the future. And I just want her to be happy and healthy and enjoy being a kid. Yeah. That's all that we could hope for for our children, right? To be to be happy and content and and feel confident in themselves and in their bodies. And kids can be mean and parents can be mean too. And I think again that goes to the support piece especially for the for the parents because then that allows them and enables them to come to the table and talk to their children in a way that they can also fully understand. And it's just, it's upsetting that most people, I'll say, make fun of or they stigmatize if you do need extra help or extra, I call it extra love. But the truth is, who wouldn't benefit from a little extra love? Oftentimes, it's the people that are making fun of other people who would benefit from extra love even more so. Absolutely. Absolutely. So, you know, I think, I think there's so much to be done for parents and for the children, but also that the parents know that there are places to go where they can get themselves help and get their child help. And that there's nothing wrong in saying that your child needs help and that they need help. To me, that's more a sign of strength than anything. Absolutely. 100%. Jody, thank you for sharing your story. Tell everyone where we can find you and where we can learn more about Flourish. Well, I'm super excited because our full website will be up in the coming days and everyone can find Flourish at www.flrish.com. And they can email me hello at Flourish, F-L-R-R-I-S-H.com. Or they can go to Instagram, LinkedIn, TikTok, all of those great social media channels with at Flourish as well. That's perfect. I love the creative spelling of the name. I think that is super, super cool. And it's really memorable too. So I love that. Jody. thank you so much for being here today. Thank you for having me as a guest. I really enjoyed it. And I'm so glad that you're doing well and Jack and, and the rest of your family are doing well too. Oh, thank you, Jody. Same to you. Thanks for listening to today's episode of Modern Mom Probs. I hope you enjoyed our deep dive in today's problem with me, your host, Tara Clark. Join me next time when I'll be interviewing another great guest and tackling another modern mom problem. If you enjoyed today's episode, please leave us a review and a rating. As always, you could head over to Modern Mom Probs on Instagram and give me a follow or check out my book, Modern Mom Probs, A Survival Guide for 21st Century Mothers, available online wherever books are sold. Well, that's it for today. See you next time, folks.